Hello, and welcome to PodCash, the portable professional development podcast from Cash. Thanks for joining us. My name's Dawn, and I'm the editor of Cash Alumni. We've got a little bit of a different episode this week. I was lucky enough to attend an event with an amazing organisation called Newcastle Carers um, a couple of months ago, where I got to listen to some amazing young adult carers talk about their experiences. It's really important as a care organisation or an educational establishment that we have an awareness of carers, young carers and young adult carers so that we can offer the best support that we possibly can to those people who are carrying burdens outside of the responsibilities. Um, I could talk for ages about carers my mum is full-time carer for my grandma um, and I'm really keen to highlight the, the role that home carers play um, in the care system but I'm not the best person to talk about this so what I'd like to do is hand you over to um, the lady who spoke from the NHS um, at the beginning of the event and then over to those young people to hear their experiences and to, to talk about what they want to talk about this week. It is a live event, so the audio isn't to the quality it would usually be. Please bear with us. It is really worth listening to. Thanks very much. My name's Liz Radcliffe. Um, I'm the North Regional Safeguarding Lead for NHS England and Improvements. And we've had the delightful pleasure of being able to support this event and support our young carers in the Newcastle Carers um, Association and um, programme. So, today is about us having our eyes open as adults, first and foremost, and professionals working in the health and social care sector. And it's about us having that professional curiosity and seeing beyond what's in front of us and being able to think and pick out where we can give support and advice, particularly for our young carers. And it is everybody's duty to think a bit deeper and think and look at what's happening. We know that we've got an estimated uh, 7 million carers in the UK. And this is, this is, in, uh, is rising. And we also know, as professionals and clinicians, we need these carers, otherwise everything would fall down. But it is our duty to give that support because it's really, really important we do that. 68% of young carers are bullied in school. Only half of young carers have a particular person in school who recognises, who actually sees something beyond that person, what's going on in their life, what's happening if somebody turns up at a, a, a GP surgery at quarter to 11 in the morning and they're picking up a prescription, why aren't people at school, why aren't young people at school, why are young people sad, why are we not listening to what young people are telling us about the people they're caring for because they know inside out what the issues are. And we need to listen to what people are saying to us. Young carers between 16 and 18 are twice as likely not to be in education or training. And you know, we're responsible for some of that because we should be helping people get that support. And more so, we should be equipping people to move on in life and be able to live the life how they want to live the life. Not how we want them to live the life, how they choose and want to live the life. 
45% of young adult carers are reported that they've had mental health problems. And I've been having a conversation on the table before. Um, we can pick up physical illness, we can put a bandage on things, we can, we can fix broken bones. But what we're not very good at is understanding where mental health issues are. We're not understanding what's beyond what we're seeing in front of us. So if anything, from today, what I want you to think about is what can we do to support our fabulous group over here and our up-and-coming young carers and give them the support that they deserve. So welcome Maya to the stage. Yes. 
today who still do now, even though it's five years off. We watched him die of shock of cold water, and that was very hard. It was very, very hard. You, I couldn't imagine it before. I thought they would be as hard as it was. And any time the Titan Bridge is blocked off because of each jump into the river, we won't get taken well because we're it's, it's not a pleasant thing to go through. What's really hard though, what's harder than that, I find sometimes, is when somebody doesn't listen to me. When I say, I haven't been in school because I haven't slept. I haven't been in school, I actually took a day off yesterday because of the same thing. I didn't sleep because I was looking after my brother. He was sick in the bed, which, for a lot of parents in the room, is a bloody nightmare. I hate it. I hate having a great shift, for example. Um, but sometimes you've got to do that because my mum can't bend over because of her back problem, so I've got to do it. I've got to do the cooking, the cleaning, the emotional support, and sometimes I act as the mother to my own mother, which is not very funny for her. She tells me what But a lot of what I do is emotional support, and a lot of people tell me after that because they say, well, why don't you do a course like Why don't you prioritise having a conversation? Well, I'll tell you why. If you prioritise a conversation with a young person, you'll get a completely different result is if you just send them off to do coursework. I had a situation in my first year of being identified when I was in year 11. And that's a very difficult time for any teachers in the room. You will know that your students are under a lot of stress. It's unbelievable the amount of stress that your students are under these days. But I wasn't worried about my GCSEs. No, I was worried about how was I going to get money out of nothing enough to put food on the table? I was worried about the fact that my mum may have her kids taken away because we couldn't get food on the table. Luckily enough, I had a maths teacher who was absolutely amazing and phenomenal. She sat down with me and previously I had difficulties with her, but because we had a conversation beforehand saying I do look after my mum and my brother at home, you know, we managed to sort something out. She managed to get food with me, and I was aesthetic. You'll see up there that I'm a rugby player. I love my food, so when something like that is taken away from me, I go into a very, very dark hole. Um, it doesn't happen very often, but things like that do happen for people like me. Up there, you will not think that that is a carer. I have aspirations to play for England, and I currently play for premiership teams under 18s. I do not want to be seen as a carer when I play on that pitch. And so I don't. I don't talk about it a lot with my team. But I'll say to them every now and again, I can't come to rugby matches because I'm looking after my mum. I can't come to matches because my mum is ill and she can't take me. I haven't been able to look for time to almost anything. I have a job at the minute. I'm a uh, lifeguard at Elsie Pool that is just reopened. And I have already had the conversation with my boss that I am a carer. It's, we're not asking for much. We're just asking for a conversation to start off with. You know, it takes about five minutes to say what you do. But this conversation shouldn't take very long. And it just basically says, I feel the need because I can't predict when my brother's autism will kick off. Sometimes it kicks off at me because I don't have an answer to why I can't bring back the dead. I don't know if you GPs out there who tell me why I can't, but I can't bring them out. Right now I'm 18 and I've got no support because I keep having this conversation. This is, I think, my first year I've had this conversation with a group of people. It, to this size by what we do. And the more we have this conversation, the more we talk about it and spread the word, the better it will be for you. So I say to all of you sitting here today, 
I care for them, but what are you going to do? Will you care enough about not just me, but also other young people who have not been identified or who have been identified? Will you give them the five minutes that they deserve? responsibilities in their stride um, and actually seeing that emotional aspect and seeing how badly affected Amy was by talking about the care that her mum needed was a really important part of the day. But please don't worry, Amy's fine and here she is back with the rest of her story. Okay, hi I'm Amy. I'm 17 and I've been kept my mum for about six months now. Just a first round by I didn't want him because it's 
point, Mom said a serial about um, lots of cat cells, so I didn't tell anyone about my beard. Um, sorry. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm sure there are maybe other people out there who face the same careful that I do, but they make me didn't tell anyone because they didn't want to have to or they wanted to. So it's very important that the message gets across that you can. I don't want to because it was like in a position in someone else's life, but I don't want to put it because I'm not like that. This is why awareness is so important because I'm sure there's for the 11 year olds, 16 year olds who help their parents not want to kill themselves, but they don't want to tell their teachers because it's an imposition, it really is. So, looking back to when I was 11 and it started, I should have told someone very early on, but I didn't tell the babies, I didn't tell parents even I didn't tell the dad. So that was bad on my part, I'm sorry about that. But apart from this, you wouldn't recognise me at school, but I'm a very different person, I'm loud and I'm confident. But as soon as I go home, I'm different.
from staying up with my mum all night or because I had to look after her through the day. When I was 15, my mum got sober. I was so proud. But after eight months, my brother got arrested for attacking her with a machete. And the first thing she said was to get her a drink. I was heartbroken. But after, her, after this, her drinking got worse. A few, a few months later, she tried to kill herself for the first time. It was so traumatising because I was the one who found her. After that, she tried at least ten times in three months, and I was, I was the one to find her every time. Her last attempt ended up with her in the ICU, but even this never stopped her drinking. When I was 16, I went to the doctor. I went to the doctor with my mum. He asked who else was at home, and it was just me. So he put me in contact with Bernardo's. This is when I was identified as a carer. I met Helen, who worked for Bernardo, worked for Bernardo's for younger carers. A couple of months after I met Helen, my mum tried to kill herself again. It was very traumatising and stressful. She still had her job at this point, but lost it a few months later because she was drunk at work. Being exposed to her, when she was drinking so much, she started to have a very bad effect on me and my own mental health. Although I never noticed at the time, I thought I was just a bit sad because of the way she was acting. She would stay up late and I would be too scared to sleep in case she did something while I was asleep and I developed insomnia because of this. I was 17 when I started college. It was a very stressful and paranoid time and not because of the college itself, but the thought of being away from my mum and not knowing if she was safe or alive, but I had to leave college after six months because she had turned suicide again and I couldn't cope with leaving her by herself. Between the age of 17 and 18, Helen tried to get me involved in groups and activities. I tried, but I just couldn't leave my mum alone. When I hit 18, I got moved to Newcastle Carers and have been there ever since. Attending groups to have a break through all this time, to have a break, but through all this time, my mental health was suffering, suffering without me noticing. I would cry at night and have suicidal thoughts and just be depressed with my life. I got so down that I even attempted to take my own life. I had no prepared and everything, but I'm just glad it never worked because that was enough to scare me to see my doctor and get help. I'm 22 now, and recently my mum started self-harming with a razor, first on her face, then on her neck. It was devastating. I cried and cried trying to get it to stop, but with the alcohol, she can't get help from mental health services if she still drinks. Just a few weeks ago, she cut her wrist so badly she almost bled out, but refused to go to the hospital. So I, whilst crying hysterically, had to bandage her up with the first aid kit I bought for the house until the doctors was open in the morning. There was blood everywhere. I still see it all the time whenever I go in the living room because the image of me scrubbing the pool of blood off the carpet is forever sealed into my memories. Nobody knows what she did because she made me promise not to tell. So now I have to lie to my family about what happened. But most recently, I had to breathe through my own front door to get to her when she hurt herself and locked me out. I could have got support sooner, but I never told anyone because I felt if I said anything, social workers would get involved, and I didn't want anyone to judge my mum for her drinking. I don't tell people about my mum, mainly because I'm embarrassed to say she's an alcoholic. I never said anything in school because I didn't want to get bullied, and there was never any information or support that showed me I could talk about this. There needs to be information shown or spoken about in assemblies to get support sooner, and to not let the not let it reach the limits that I got to. Because I was identified as a carer by my GP, I finally had someone to talk to. 
Through Newcastle Carers, I have access to counselling and have opportunities to travel the UK, represent my region as an NHS health champion, and lead as a mentor. My situation is very difficult. It is difficult to talk about and difficult to hear. I face everyday challenges, but I wanted to share this with you so you could understand the difficulties of a young carer. There's some other facing this alone who haven't found out about support available. They need to be aware of care. They need you to be aware of carers and the help you can offer. The next animation is about a boy called James, whose mother is an alcoholic. It's based on experiences I've had with input from other carers. Thank you. got some best practice or you'd like to share with us um, something great um, you can get in touch with us at alumni at cash.org.uk that's alumni a-l-u-m-n-i at cash c-a-c-h-e for echo dot org dot uk and we'd love to speak to you you can find us at the cash alumni website at www.cashalumni.org.uk or through the main CASH website for information about qualifications and other CPD at www.cache.org.uk. Thanks very much and until next time, take care.